0: Matthew chapter 26, um, Matthew 26. Yeah, right. Um, uh, there is no Matthew. Okay. Matthew 10 verse 26. Um, but, uh, just to bring us up to, up to, um, speed, we've been talking about how the Lord is preparing the disciples to go out. And this is one of the areas that Jesus is calling us as believers to do is, is to go into the world and preach the gospel to go into the world and reach the lost to see the world with God's heart and with his eyes and how he does things, his heart beating in us. Uh, We are his hands, his feet, his voice, his love, his warning, all these things flowing through us um, to our neighbors, to our families, to ourselves. Uh, and, and, And what Jesus is doing is he is painting a picture for them of what to expect as he is about to send them out. And verse 16 says that they would be sheep among wolves. And so that's one of the things he wants them to know is you are not the apex predator in this situation. You are the you are the sheep and you're going out among wolves. And then in verse 17 of verse 10 if you just follow with your eyes, Jesus lets them know that they the wolves uh, that they would be to be, need to be aware of were mankind. Beware of men. That's what he says. And so the wolves take the form of men, men who are in opposition to Jesus Christ, Uh, men, Ephesians chapter two, men and women, mankind, who are under the sway of the wicked one, who have not yet come to Christ, who are anti-Christ, either directly or indirectly in who they are. Uh, under the power and the sway of the evil one of whom we all used to uh, once walk that way. How many of you were hostile towards Christ before you came to Christ directly? Some of you go, yeah, I was pretty mean to Christians and I was pretty, you know, and then some of us are like, well, indirectly I was indifferent, you know? And some of you are like, Hey, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Keep it out of my way. You know what I mean? And so they would be facing opposition. Jesus wanted them to know your sheep among wolves. And as you go out, you are going to be facing opposition from men who would verse 17 and 18, deliver you over courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before Kings and governors for my name's sake to bear witness before them. That would be the Jews and the Gentiles. And so these wolves would exercise force in various ways. They would exercise their opposition in various ways to the apostles. And so the apostles would face legal opposition. The courts, they'd be dragged before the courts. And there was no separation of church and state, as far as the Jewish life was concerned, but nevertheless, they were dragged before the Jewish courts. And therefore when they, and they would also be punished in their synagogues. And so opposition from religious powers, Believe it or not, and then they would face that governmental opposition, uh, perhaps being handed over to the Romans for execution or even being stoned by the Jews there. And even verse twenty one opposition from families. So you have opposition from men, and that would take the form of legal and religious and governmental and family opposition. This is how it works, and Jesus lets them know that they would most likely be facing death. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And they're going to, they're going to kill you. So have fun kids. You know, how many of you are signing up for that? Anyone else? No, but Jesus, by the very nature of our relationship to him, Jesus would say uh, later on, he says, "The, the whole world will hate you for my name's sake, because you bear my name because you're in me because you're following me. The world is going to hate you. We know in other parts of scripture, it warns you, be careful. If you get along with the world too well, something's not going right. Not that we're to be antagonistic, but Jesus wanted them to know with certainty, what they were headed into. And he wants us to know a certainty, what is going to be headed towards us if we walk in the spirit and are faithful to the Lord. But at the same time, Jesus, in that warning of opposition, he gives them promises in the midst of it. And I think this is so important because when there's difficult times, we need to have hope. Amen. And so Jesus says, hey, there in verses 19 and 20, Jesus says when they're rested and you're brought before these various earthly fa- powers, I promise you, don't worry. I will give you the words of what to say when you need to say it. Pretty cool, huh? How many of you struggle about what to say? What does he say there? Don't worry. I'll take care of it. Amen. Doesn't mean we don't study. Doesn't mean we don't abide and let the word of God abide in us. But he says, don't worry when you get to that moment, I'll speak through you. That's what he says to these apostles. Imagine that. And we see that lived throughout the new Testament as they are brought in front of various governors and all that stuff. And I talked about Paul's experience. You've got John and Peter and all these people who are experiencing stuff and how the Lord spoke through them mightily. It says "And the spirit filled them and they spoke. And that's what we want in those situations as as a witness. We want to be spirit filled witnesses of Jesus Christ. And the Lord promises that you wouldn't be them speaking, but it would be the spirit of their father speaking through them. And so Jesus promises that don't worry, don't be anxious about what you're going to say. And then another thing in verse 22, he makes it clear that they would be hated by all for man for, for my name's sake. So there's another promise for you, but tied (laughs) tied into that promise right after it, keep reading. Nevertheless, Jesus promised, but to the one who endures to the end, they will be saved. In other words, he promises eternal life. Even if they lost their life in following the Lord, those who persevere to the end will be saved. In other words, don't worry about the death of your bodies ultimately. You worry about following me. You'll be saved in the end. I've got you. Isn't that a great promise? Though no matter what's going on in our world and no matter how much, how anxious we get about stuff, God's got you. Isn't that a great thing? Yeah. And so Jesus isn't holding anything back here. He gives him the full job description. He doesn't give him all the details, but he lets him know it's going to be difficult. The nature of the opposition they'd be facing that they are, you're facing wolves. You would be sheep. You're going to be killed. And he also gives them these promises in the midst. Um, And so as we pick up in verse 26, Jesus continues to instruct the apostles about how to deal with opposition. They will face And the rest of the chapter is addressing their fear. One of the things, I mean, how many of you, if you were just dig down in your heart, say, I am fearful about being a witness for Jesus Christ. I am a pastor and I get fearful of being a witness of Jesus Christ. Paul prayed for boldness in the new Testament. If the apostle Paul is praying for boldness, what do you think we should pray for? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You think he had a little PTSD going on? Have you read his resume? about how he suffered as he's going like, okay, I've got to go into the city. I know there's going to be opposition. I'm probably going to get a rock to the head or something's going to go on, but here we go. He just walks into it, you know, no, you know, concussion protocol, none of that stuff. He just keeps going. And in the rest of uh, Jesus wants us to, to know in, in the midst of this, uh, to really weigh our fear before God, because I think this is something the enemy plays upon all the time. He plays upon our fear in being witnesses for Jesus. We all struggle with it. It is common. And Jesus is constantly molding and shaping his disciples, his called ones in all these cir- circumstances. He would say, Oh, you have little faith. And he would constantly say, do not fear to them. Right. And so, so too with us, amen. So let's take comfort And Jesus says on the heels of what was ju- what I just shared in verse 26, as we pick it, but he says, so have no fear of them. That is beware of men, have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And so this, if you're writing notes down, uh, I would say this as sheep among wolves, they had to put their fear in its proper place. They had to put their fear in its proper place. Jesus says in verse 26, have no fear of them. So in your witnessing, in your mind right now, when you think about the people that Lord would have you to reach out to um, your work, the environment you're in, what is the word of the Lord to you? Have no, what have no fear of them. Don't fear them. Now, what Jesus is not saying, he's not saying disrespect them. He's not saying don't have reverence for authority. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, oh yeah, whatever. I'm not scared of you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't fear them. Don't let the fear of the consequences of what they may do to you. Stop you from being my witness. Make sense. So this is what God wants us to know this morning. Don't fear them. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. Pray it. Ask it. Me too. Amen. Amen. Pray. Do not fear them. Now we already know that Jesus said, beware of men in verse 17. Beware is different than fear because he says, beware of them. Uh, Your sheep among wolves know their nature, understand walk in wisdom, walk in innocence around them. So beware of them but don't fear them two different things. And so do not fear them in the sense that the fear would cause disobedience to the call of God upon them to be witnesses. But on the other hand, uh, you know, don't fear them in the sense that continue on. Right? So it's the natural human response to fear those who would be able to take your lives or to cause pain and suffering in your life. Um, Jesus says, beware of them, but don't have fear of them. Why? And he says, verse, he says there in that verse, he says, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. In other words, God knows exactly what is going on. He knows exactly what they're up to. He knows exactly their end. And in the end, all things will be revealed at the great white throne judgment and God will take care of business. Amen. Amen. Don't fear them. God's got the whole planet under control. I know we're going, this is our only life, but uh, this is our only life to be lived for him. Amen. That's it. And he says, in other words, guys knows exactly what they're up to. And on the day of judgment, their deeds will be exposed for what they are. Don't fear them because God will deal with them in the end. And our hope is that he wouldn't deal with them that they would come to know him. Amen. (laughs) So don't let their opposition stop you from your obedience. Put fear in its place. Fear God. Verse 27. In what I tell you, what does he say? What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. In other words, the message of the kingdom that God was giving the disciples in their one-on-one time with Jesus was to be What? Proclaimed. Proclaimed. It wasn't to be hidden. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, what you hear whispered, proclaim on the house, but listen, church, our relationship with God through Christ has at its core, a very personal relationship, a very private relationship, right? Jesus already talked about that in Matthew. So don't let your prayer life just be a public prayer life. What do we do? What do we have? a prayer life that is first in the closet alone with God, a time in the word that's alone in the, in the closet with God. I know we all struggle with this type of stuff, but it's to be a personal faith, a personal faith between you and the Lord at first. Right. But then he says, what I tell you in secret, who you are in the secret, what I've done when you're hard in the secret, what, what's supposed to happen to that private life. It's supposed to be lived where in public Oh, no, Lord, I don't like that. I like the private Jesus just by ourselves in my closet praying and hear what is Jesus saying to his disciples? What I tell you in the secret, what I whisper in your ear, you are to go and proclaim it. How are you to proclaim it in the light on the rooftop? That's the other aspect of our faith. It's not only private, but it is public. A faith that proclaims what we have heard in the dark and and we say it in the light and it's open for all to see. And what was whispered to our hearts, there's also a proclamation from the housetops. The enemy has this line for us. You can have your religion. You can have your Jesus. Keep it to yourself. How many of you have heard that? And how many of you believe that right now? Jesus says differently. I am not meant. He is not meant to be locked up and put away. He is meant to shine and he shines through his redeemed. And so to take that line that the world gives to keep that personal private faith. And there's no public expression. There's no witness. There's no outward flow. There's no effect upon the world whatsoever in our words and our actions and all these types of things, no proclamation of the kingdom, all that kind of stuff. That's disobedience. The personal must become public. And by the way, we've got to get those right. First personal first, then public. Amen. But listen, your personal is not going to be perfect. Okay. And the enemy will just keep you in the hole. You're just, you're just, you're just, so stay, stay put. Don't say anything. Whatever you do, don't witness to that person. Don't share because you are blah blah blah. So, what causes us to keep it in? What causes us from moving our private relationship with the Lord to a public relationship with the Lord? What is it? Fear. Usually. It was with the apostles. Hello! like the apostles, new Testament apostles, the guys who were doing miracles, who would be doing miracles, all that stuff. It was with them. They struggled with fear. Jesus says, have no fear of them. God will judge righteously in the end. Verse 28 and do not fear those who kill the body. And they were facing death and doing this, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both. What soul and body and hell put your fear in, in its proper place, put your fear in its proper place. We've got to preach to ourselves. You know, I've got to preach to myself and you know, I'm sitting here preaching. I, uh, someone mentioned it at Thanksgiving. I I'm, I think it was, yeah, I think you're t- quoting John Piper, but I mean, I've got to preach to myself these things. So I'm not just sitting here telling you what to do. It's like, no, I need to not fear those who can kill the body. Uh, but can't kill the soul. Rather, I need to fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul and fear means fear. He's not talking about like it, we're to fear God because he can destroy both body and soul. There is to be a deep fear of God in that healthy way in that he is the authority over everything. And there is to be a human, wide fear of their creator. Why? Because not only can he kill you, he can take your very essence of who you are and your body and throw you into hell forever and ever and ever. And that's what he's going to be doing and is doing this very moment. He is wiping people off the face of the earth this very moment. Just as he's also giving life to people. This very moment he is to be feared. I know we like to flannel graph Jesus, you know, but he is someone to be feared. And also, <laughs> you know, of course his per- perfect love casts out fear, but he's saying are, he's warning the apostles. Don't put your weight of fear upon men, put your weight of fear upon God. That's where it needs to be. Obedience to him, fear of him, pleasing him, obeying him. So he's sending them out to t- and telling him, put your fear in its proper, proper place. And, and this is what we have to do. Beware of the wolf. Yes, but fear God. Amen. Amen. Have no fear of them. Jesus says in verse 26, in this sense, they can only kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. Jesus wants them to know and us to know that the worst they can do is kill your body. And we're all like, oh, that's pretty bad. But if you are living this life or this life and you do not know God, that's all you have. So that's what you fear. If you're an unbeliever, that's all you have. And so your fear is here, it's with men. But Jesus tells the disciples who to fear. Rather fear him who can destroy both this, the soul and the body in hell. If you think the pain of physical death is the worst thing you are grossly misinformed. How many of you've had some pretty painful physical experiences, right? And so God is opening us up to an understanding of God in judgment in all these types of things. Don't worry so much about the temporal. You got to worry what's happening out, what's going to happen beyond. And who's the one in charge of all that? Be aware of this. What is truly to be feared is the judgment of God who takes the body and soul and casts them into hell, a place of eternal torment. Later in Matthew 25, Jesus will give the parable of the sheep and the goats. Remember that at the great wine throne judgment, the angels gather everybody together. And then there's a judgment of humanity. And it says in verse 41 of Matthew 25, you can write the, that down. It says, he will say to his goats, those on the left, he's who have rejected Christ and rejected Christ. rejected him through their life. He says in verse 41, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This is what Jesus will say to them. Depart from me. You cursed into eternal fire, prepared for his devil, the devil and his angels. And again, in verse 46, he repeats it. He says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life, eternal punishment. And in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, the non parable version of this, he says, then I saw a great white throne and him him who was seated on it. This is Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And from his presence, the earth and the sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small standing before the throne and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And he judged the dead And the dead were judged uh, by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades uh, gave up the dead who were in them. Hades being the holding tank of hell, not the permanent place. So it's the local jail, not the pen. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And they were judged each one of them, according to what they had done repeated again, according to what they had done, according to what they had done, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, the pen uh, that doesn't stop, right? This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus says, stop fearing men and start fearing God. Don't let them stop you from being my witnesses. Put your fear in its proper place. Don't let the fear of them cause you to stop proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom instead, proclaim, proclaim the gospel without fear. And we're just looking at that and we go, man, I want to. And here's the other thing. God wants you to, and what he's called you to do. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to equip you to do and empower you to do in the moment that you need it. Do not fear. I'll give you the words to say, Oh, but I mumble and but just trust the Lord. Amen. Amen. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And so we need to be a church who's listening to the Lord in the dark and, and who's, listening to the voice of God, whispering to us. Amen. Yeah. And we pray for the opportunities for the loss. we pray again. God is so faithful. Every time I actually sit down and go, Lord, open up a door for me to share with someone. And I actually pray that he like just answers those prayers all the time. I pray lots of other prayers. He doesn't answer anyone else, but I'm like, Lord, open up a door for me to share with someone. It's like, boom, there. I can't even get the words out of my mouth at the time. Like, okay, well, you must want to do that, but God, I will do that if you answer these 50 other persons like, no, I'm just kidding. I don't have the kind of, I know what he wants. I know his heart. It's like, Matt, I saved you. You know, it's not because of you, but I saved you to go share what I've done. Go do it, you know, and same with you. And in a way I never could amen with people I could never meet or have a relationship with God has you, you are the plan. I always say that. So put our, we put our fear in its right place. Verse 29. He goes back to a theme. He's already talked to them about in the sermon on the Mount. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Look at how worthless sparrows are. I'm sorry, Peter fans. Lord is just saying like sparrows are sold worth, They're so cheap. There's, there's no value to them. And yet God is intro, you know, intricately involved, whatever the word is. I'm sorry. Brain fog there. He is so involved in something that is so minute and insignificant in the overall scheme of things. Makes sense. In other words, he cares even about that. He knows the details of of what's going on there. And Jesus is reminding them what he told them back in Matthew six in the Sermon on Mount that their father cares for them and nothing's going to happen to them unless the father allows it. And that's the scary thing. If God allows something bad to happen. Amen. It's like, uh, but even if he does, it's for his purposes, for his plan and for your best that he does that. It might not seem like it in the moment, but it is. In the end, in verse 30, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. Verse 31, fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. He's not saying like just a few more sparrows. The idea is you are so much more valuable than these things that I'm very concerned with. I am very keenly aware and tuned to who you are in your situation your life your health and all those things your father cares how many of you are fathers of children mothers of children you care you're you're intimately involved in what's going on where they are what they say how their health is what's going on you're always thinking about them how much more our heavenly father with us amen He knows everything. He knows you in and out everything that's going on. And Jesus gives him that command again, repeated again for the third time. Do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Again, if God is keenly aware of every sparrow that dies, how aware is he of your life? And how much more value do you have to him? I tell you the value. You can't measure it. He sent his own son for you and not sparrows. Amen. He died for you. And Jesus here is echoing the promises of God to his people. Listen, when God is telling his disciples, do not fear. That is not something that's just for them. That is something that God has been communicating to his people from way back. A couple examples. I love the promise to Abraham, one of the patriarchs there. Abraham in Genesis 15, 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I'm your exceedingly great reward. Don't be afraid, Abraham. And what had just happened is he just was in a battle with the kings of Sodom, of the kings of the plain there. And he went and rescued Lot out of the situation. So there's the fear of retaliation that was coming towards him. And here he is. And and God meets him in that moment. And he says, don't be afraid. Why? I'm your shield. And I'm your reward. How many of you need to hear that? When you go and you start proclaiming the gospel, I'm your shield. I'm your reward. I'm your defense. And I'm your reward. And he was reminding him, if you look at the context of the verse, this is the land I'm going to give you. You're in a battle in this land. This is the land that I'm giving you. It's your inheritance for you and your people. Hang in there. But he doesn't stop there. He, he speaks to his son Isaac and does is the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac, who had just lied to Abimelech like Abraham did about his wife and is now wandering around digging wells, looking for water thirsty in the wilderness while all the herdsmen were in conflict with other herdsmen who were claiming that that's not your well and all this kind of stuff. So he keeps moving around till he comes to this place called Beersheba where his father, Abraham had prayed and met God and built an altar. And it says in Genesis, 20, Genesis 26, twenty six twenty four, and the Lord appeared to him. That's Isaac that same night that he's having this conflict and all this stuff he says i am the god of abraham your father fear not for i am with you and will bless you and multiply you your offspring for my servant abraham's sake the promise that he gave to abraham was good for his son isaac in the midst of a land of opposition i am with you do not fear And God repeats this to Isaac's son, Jacob in Genesis 46, one through four, Genesis 46, one through four, God spoke to Jacob also called Israel. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba again and offered sacrifices to God of his father, Isaac. And, and God spoke to Israel in a vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And then he said, I am the, I am, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there. I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. There it is. Do not be afraid. I will go with you. I will go down. We forget that God is with us. Amen. Emmanuel. His spirit is with us. He's provoking us and calling us and pulling us towards the world that he longs to reveal Christ to through you. And then as the Hebrews were going out into the promised land after 40 years of disobedience, now they are under the leadership of Joshua as Moses cannot go into the land. And we know that the angel of the Lord in chapter one says, be strong and courageous, uh, courageous several times to Joshua as he's about to enter this new land. He says it to him several times in chapter one, go read it. And then after he goes in and starts possessing the land, Israel had sinned and there's, there's, there's defeat and all this stuff they're going back and forth. And they go attack this little place called AI where they at first were defeated. And anyways, the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. He repeats it again. Do not fear. Go into any Bible software and look up. Do not fear. It'll just stack. The verses from Genesis all the way down of God speaking to his people. Do not fear the ones who are walking with him. The one he has called the one he is telling to go into the land. The one who's telling to stand strong. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. We got to put our fear in its place. And church, this happens over and over through the history of Israel. And so you've got these 12 Jewish guys who are sitting around and Jesus sits here and tells them, do not fear. What do you think their mind clicks to? This is the same angel of the Lord. This is the same one from the burning bush. This is the same one who's been saying, do not fear to his people all along sitting with them right here and telling them, do not fear them. And he is the same one today by the, his word by his Holy spirit. who is telling you as his church, do not fear. Fear. Fear God. So we're called to preach, to proclaim. Don't fear men, fear God, love and obey him. Verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, boy, if it gets any easier, let me know. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. He's sending them out. And he's saying, you've got two paths in front of you, the path of acknowledging me before men and the path of denying me before men. And these are the end results of those. You deny me before men. I will deny you before my father, but you acknowledge me before men and I will acknowledge you before my father two promises that we can bank on without the defining the word acknowledge in the Greek for a second. Let me, let me ask you how many of you like to be acknowledged before the father in heaven, throw out your humility Throw out your just, isn't that what it's all funneling down to? How would you like Jesus to mumble your name? Hey, this is Matt. Yeah, he was there. So, you know, how would you like him to go? Hey. Father, I know, you know, because you gave them to me before the foundations of the earth, but this is put your name in there and look what they've done. Look how faithful they've been. Look what we have done in and through them. And, and and he just starts explaining about who you are and what you've done. And of course, all undeserved, undeserved, the grace of God. How many of you want to be acknowledged gloriously before the father? I mean, that's where your life is. Now I know that Jesus is not necessarily saying that the way you acknowledge Jesus before the men is the way that you will be acknowledged before God. That's not what this verse says, but there's a context there. Cause he says, what I tell you in secret, proclaim it in light. And what I tell you in quiet, shout it on the rooftops. And I know that's, Figures of speech, but the idea is it's to be proclaimed loudly, boldly, clearly, with heart in, in just a, a wholeheartedness about it. Amen. Amen. See that the way, and, and I just kind of flip around, and go. That's kind of how I would like to be announced before God. I know this is prideful. Just let me play for a second, okay? But I mean, do you think the Lord would deserve or want any less in Him being God and perfect? And all the is that we would proclaim him boldly and clearly and wholeheartedly before the lost, you know, is with best articulation that we can. I think that would honor him, but why don't we? We don't fear him. We fear men. So fear God. Love God, obey God, be astounded by God. See the world the way God sees it. See that we are sheep among wolves. See the, see that we are among a perverse generation of whom we came out of. And God, by his grace, saved us by a great grace. Amen. And so grace in our words and yet love and adoration for God and a joy in which we express him whenever we can. So I think you can see where I'm going with this. How do you think the father would desire? We would be acknowledging his son before men, the name above all names, fearlessly, boldly, lovingly, wholeheartedly rooftop kind of thing. Right? So believers by our very relationship with God, are witnesses of Jesus Christ before men period. So declare him, shine him. Amen. Unbelievers on the other hand, they do not acknowledge Jesus before God. They fear men and not God. Now I have to clear this up as we close. We all have our Peter moments. Amen. Amen. But we're not to have a Peter lifestyle. We all have our Peter moments. Right? Where we deny the Lord in front of people. This is not saying if you denied him once, you will be denied forever in front of the father. That's not what he's saying. You know, we all have our moments. We fear men instead of God. We all, we all sin in this and I'm not dismissing it. I'm acknowledging it, but this isn't what Jesus is saying when he's talking about those who deny him before him, this is talking about a lifestyle of denial. And that's what it is. Matthew 24 how do you acknowledge Christ in your words, in your actions, in your life? Yes, you must open your mouth. Yes, you actually must do what we we say we believe. You know, for those the two gifts by the way that God gives us are are speaking gifts and doing gifts, work gifts of work. So those are the if you just kind of take all the kind of gifts and just shove them down into two categories, those are them. And so speaking gift, people tend to need more works, things going on works. People need to more tend to need more speaking things going on. Amen. Generally, we kind of tend to, so we like to go, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Listen, before God, before his throne, speak, do your works, live in a way that would bless him. Amen. They would bless him. He's the one we have to, we have to answer to and bless. And so that's important. Live your life. Uh, uh, acknowledge Jesus before men and he will acknowledge us before his father. You will know a tree by its fruits. So listen, we're not all gifted evangelists, but we're all called to proclaim Christ, right? Yeah. In words and deeds and character. So brothers and sisters, we must allow and submit to the Holy Spirit's work within this church. This is what he wants to do through us. This is how people come to Christ. Is that we fear God more than we fear, than, than we care for our feelings. We fear God more than we fear them. We fear God more than we fear the loss of this or that. And we just obey God in the moment. Amen? And watch what God does. Watch what He does. Watch His provision for you. Watch His care for you. Watch in the midst of your suffering how God rallies and encourages you. And there's a koinonia that you have with God in suffering. His son was sent to a cross. We are crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but it is now Christ who lives in us. And there's something beautiful that happens when we embrace the cross of suffering, when we see beyond the temporal and we look to the eternal, to to the glory of God. So together we have this beautiful and gloriously heavy call to acknowledge Jesus before men. And so fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Amen. Next Sunday, the Arnold family, missionaries from Mexico, people who said, I'm going to go into cartel land and start selling, sharing Jesus. Lord God, we ask that you would just forgive us for our lack of faith, Lord, starting with the guy at the pulpit, Lord. And oh, Lord, how we need just a fresh move of your Holy Spirit within our hearts. Lord, that our fear of you would be stoked. And as we see you for who you are and who your word presents you to be, the almighty creator, Lord, men and the opinions of men and all these things, Lord, would be put in their proper context. May you be revered and worshiped and wholeheartedly proclaimed from this little church here from us, Lord, the little sheep. And so Lord, send us out as sheep among wolves. Cause our hearts to overflow with just joy and love for you in front of people. Do that work. Thank you so much for your grace and your kindness and for teaching us and for bringing us along and opening up our eyes to who you are like babies growing up and understanding who their parents are. Lord, our eyes are opening up to who you are as we're in your glorious word. Thank you for growing us. So Lord, now that we know what we know, we're responsible for it. And Lord, you are our shield, but you are also our reward. And so Lord, we look forward to the day when we see you face to face and you say, well done. And so do that work in and through us now. We pray that we would be tripping over the lost as we leave this place. And that our hearts would be open. Our eyes would see the field. And you just give us the words to say and the life to live. And so we pray this all, Father, in the mighty and precious name of your son, who loved us and saved us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God, huh? Amen. Go worship (laughs) him.